You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Ah, Glory. How are you doing? Hi, Dave. Seems like a long time since we've seen each other. <laughs> Last week. Last week. Yeah. Dave, I have a problem. Can you help me? Oh, I, I, I have the answer for everything. Yeah, I you know. You haven't realized that yet? No, I have a parenting <laughs> question. Oh. Convincing my daughter to go to somewhere that she's never been experienced that one is not easy. For example, there's a Christmas party somewhere. Let's go. No. I don't want to go there. So what I do always, I show a YouTube video about that event that make her motivated to come with us. So what do you think? I think it's a great idea because, you know, like, how do we expose our kids to culture? How do we expose them to like art and history? How do I get them to be more excited about it? How do I get them to get more into that? What's the story? Can I visualize something here about the story and what's happening as I'm going on, say, an art walk? You know, you know, are you exploring a city in a different way? When you look around the city, like we're going to look at all these buildings. Why do I want to look at this building? And then if you added something to it, could you like that? Could you bring more excitement to it? Yeah, such as gamification. If she can play something inside a physical environment, that's going to be more exciting for her, more convincing. (laughs) Just having the Pokemon Go, go to the tourism world. Yeah. And I think we might have someone today to talk to us about that. I think so. I think that we have Dan Pronovo, founder and CEO of Driftscape, about augmented reality in tourism. Yes, welcome to another episode of Innovation Fuel brought to you by University Canada West. Yes, we do have our friend Dan Pronovo here with us today to talk about something very interesting. It might have something to do with augmented reality. It might have something to do with tourism. But before we get there, we've got to know who Dan is. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. First, thank you so much for inviting me today. It's uh, wonderful to be able to talk to you all and share ideas. This is always what innovation and technology startups is all about. So thank you. So who am I? Um, so I'm a, I'm a tech guy. I've been a tech guy for, oh gosh, way too long, than, longer than I'm willing to admit. Um, I write software uh, and many, many years ago decided to you know, do my own thing, start my own companies in the technology space. And uh, in particular, uh, five years ago, along with some of my other founders, business partner Chloe Dozberg as well, we started Driftscape, which was my latest venture after having sold my last company prior to that. And so we've been working on basically Driftscape as a digital tourism platform. So Dan is a tech guy, loves writing software, building software companies, and working in the mobile app space in particular in SaaS. Can you tell us a little bit more about Driftscape? What is Driftscape and who are you serving? Depends on your point of view, who you are. So Driftscape is a product out there today from a user perspective, an end user perspective. It's a mobile app. It's free to download. There are absolutely no ads. And it's just a really cool way to explore where you live. Or if you're a tourist and want to explore where you're going to visit, to learn about the cool eclectic stories told from the experts in that area, rather than a polluted experience through a social media platform or a search engine that's trying to put search results up. Because 
our platform is populated by those organizations, the cultural organizations, the historical organizations, the tourism organizations themselves. So from their point of view, we are a digital tourism platform. They pay for it. It's a SaaS platform. And then they get to use our CMS and our cool tools to be able to tell these full enriched experiences that include an AR experience that I'm sure we'll get to some more that really lets them tell their stories their way to users without the pollution of ads or monetization of eyeballs. So that's what Driftscape is. We have uh, partners, over 70 partners from coast to coast in every province and and region in in Canada. We're starting to expand into the US now as well. We recently added multilingual supports is a digital tourism platform. That's the way we like to think of ourselves. Thank you, Dan. I want to know that what customer client problem are you trying to solve? Our typical market segments are municipalities, outdoor organizations, events and festivals. Uh, Those are some of our primary targets. So their pain points are getting communication out to users who are in their region. So a tourist that's in the region or a visitor who may not know all about the cool things to explore that uh, are not the obvious things. You know, for example, you're not going to find a point of interest for the CN Tower in Driftscape because that's an obvious thing and they can do their own mark. But you are going to find Artworks TO is one of our organizations celebrating the Year of Public Art in Toronto. And in every single one of the 50 wards in Toronto, outdoor art exhibits have been added. And so you can go explore that cool statue down the road. What is that thing? And you can use Driftscape and go look at it and learn it and hear from the artist who's actually speaking about their art in videos that are within the app or read the text or the history and so on. So we're the platform where we go to learn that really cool eclectic stuff from the point of view of the storytellers themselves. It kind of reminds me, going to, say, for an example, a museum, and I've done this in the U.S. a lot, where you go to the museum and you get the headset and you get all the information and you put the headset on, the headset tells you exactly where to go, and it's giving you the story along the way. Every exhibit you hit, this is the story around this exhibit, and on and on and on. Yeah, we're that for outside. And in fact, we actually have that exact feature, self-guided tours for outdoors. You literally start the tour and you can just play the audio from wherever you're starting and you can just walk around to the next stop. You can let the audio guide you. It'll just say, oh, you're now at this one. It'll start the audio for the next one automatically for you. Now, that was a feature we only added within the last 12 months, if I recall. So having said that, we do have indoor customers and we have for Buxton Museum, for example, it's a museum in, in Southern Ontario that is all about um, the Underground Railroad and black history within Ontario. And they have uh, indoor museums. And so they use Driftscape to promote their content as well. And they use 360 tours that play within the app themselves so that you can actually use more as well as the points of interest in Driftscape. We did design it primarily for outdoor spaces, but we are now starting to do the indoor thing. Do we actually have you know, headset versions you can rent and all that stuff? That's a mature market. We're not going to, we're not trying to go there. Having said that, we're at least a much more affordable experience, no hardware required. You can just go and explore indoors. We have quite a few clients who are using us to do as a more affordable way since everyone has a phone. Why not let them do it on their phone? What the customers are doing now, I mean, outside your platform, if they need information, what they are doing now and who are your competitors now? Right now, they have websites. Primarily in the in the tourism space, you know, your municipality, you're going to spend a lot of money to make your website as exciting as a tourism platform. They often actually build a separate website from their municipal website. They don't always. But usually that's the first step, you know, pick a city, whatever it is, Kingston, they'll have tourismkingston.ca. 
Typically, that's their primary channel. They'll have a visitor's guide, literally print guide. may have a digital version of it, but yep, you can sign up and get it mailed to you. You can find it within a tourism chamber or chamber of commerce locally. So right now, a lot of it is, let's call it old school, non-digital marketing. Websites, you have to have it, and it's a great way to stay current. You know, oh, there's a new business, list of businesses changes, fine. But it's painful. And, and we actually have Driftscape for web, which is a web version of Driftscape that they can plug into their website. So you get the same great experience. You can do the storytelling, the tours, all the same functionality that makes sense in a browser. And so we have a lot of customers who are now using Driftscape for web as a way to do it. And it's also a great way to keep it current. Change a point of interest in the CMS for Driftscape, shows up in the mobile app, shows up in their web. So right now they're doing a lot of websites and a lot of traditional on-site tourism. And we represent a new way of looking at tourism. Leveraging back towards the augmented reality side of things, can you explain to us how augmented reality is helping your business model deliver the value? We added augmented reality pretty soon after our creation five years ago. I think it was maybe a year after we launched iOS. And we first launched our augmented reality mode for iOS. And then it it now is available in Android as well. So it's consistent across our platform. We recognized very early that if you're going to go into digital tourism, you better have some pretty shiny, cool stuff. And AR is pretty shiny and cool. And it does work particularly well in iOS. On Android, very, very immature technology. It's much more difficult to do the same stuff there, but we have managed to get it going. So we added augmented reality support. We have our toes in the water. It's a fairly uh, simplistic point of view in our product. I love to tell you it's the best, most amazing thing. You're going to see all kinds of overlays and 3D animations, and, but we still have a lot to add. So what you can do right now in Driftscape in our AR mode is you can point your camera around and you're going to see the points of interest as sprites, 2D markers. As you get closer, the sprites will grow. It'll show and you can tap on them and then you can learn all about them. But that's primarily a way to navigate the same information in the other modes, our map mode and list mode, but in an augmented way. What we did add was quests. So we added a gamified experience into our augmented realm. That's a lot of fun. So imagine you're on site, you want to play this game. And so great, you're going to play this cool game. You go on site and it says, ah, okay, so start the game. You have to find this thing. Here are some hints. It's near you. So you point up your phone and it says, oh, you're getting close, getting closer, point over here. And it finally says, ah, it shows up. And then you click on that and gives you the next clues and you go to the next thing. We have entered into this market space. We think what we have... Uh, what is a a more functional way to do storytelling in augmented reality. Um, We think our gamified experiences are very exciting, but we do have a roadmap of a lot more. Obviously, there's more you can do with augmented reality. Imagine you can point at a building and you can see a historic view of the old building overlaid over top of the current view. Things like that are definitely within our, our scope. Do you think that what is your marketing message? Is it for users and for your clients? We really do have to have a dichotomy in our company. We have to have a a certain way to market ourselves to users and a certain way to market our customers. And for our users, this is important because we don't typically sell a white label solution. Driftscape is a single app and we, most of our customers use it that way there. So their content, their organization is showing up within the one app. Obviously we have all kinds of features to help them promote their content. You know, they can, We call them deep links and we give them these URLs they can put in their social media, their website, whatever. And if a user clicks on it on their phone, it just, even if the app's not installed, it'll load the app and then go to their stuff, highlight their stuff. Um, So we're a single app platform. 
And that for us creates a great responsibility for our own users. We have ownership to market to our users. So we spend on SEO, we spend to market Triscape. Our customers do as well. Obviously they care to promote it, it's their content. But we're very different in that way because of the single app. We realized, and we didn't know this right away, we kind of grew into it. It was like, there are users, there are app users, single app. So we spend a lot of time trying to grow that base. We care a lot about our users and the experience they have. On the other side, we do sell to customers. It's a SaaS platform, annual licensing. Uh, we market to them very aggressively. We have a, a large sales team. We're always trying to add hundreds and hundreds of new leads every month, new municipalities, new targets. So we have those two points of view. So how does uh, users and your client can communicate with each other or rate each other? Or is, is there any something like that for you? So we do have a news notification feature. So we have a way for our customers to broadcast news. And so app users, even if the app's not running, if it's in the background, as long as they've given us permission, you will get the occasional notification. That can be region-based. So it can be, say, only when a user is inside this region, send them this news item. Or if they've ever visited this news region, send them this news item. So we have a full news notification system that brings the user back into the app and they could read more, click on links, and then get to the content that it's about. Many of our partners that are event partners use this. It's like, hey, we have the Christmas festival. And it's like, oh, cool. You know, user clicks on it. Customer gets all the analytics for that, of course. So we have channels to do that. Now, we'd like to do more in this space and it's on our roadmap to do a lot more. Once you have a product like Gearscape that's a single app with all this content from different organizations, municipalities, imagine a user can simply sign up for different news channels from these organizations. Yeah, I want to know about the future events for that town. I want to know about the garbage day. Why don't you send me an email or send me the text or only emails or only text or in-app notification? This is a space that exists already that serves municipalities primarily in their website as a website plugin typically more for when do I have to pay my taxes or whatever, but there's no reason that our tourism clients want the same thing. So we're very interested in that. And that's definitely something that's something we're working on to add to the product so that our organizations can be in control of the messaging for instant direct to user opt-in messaging. Dan, I, I know uh, that one of the things you, we talked about in mean, previous talks we've had before, but we talk about revenue and your revenue models. And I know that your revenue is really based on the ultimate municipalities and those outlets. But you are working with these tourism, and I think you have some specific policy around working with individuals. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. This was really important and fundamental in our company when we started. We really didn't want to monetize user eyeballs the way social media companies do. All their bills are paid by finding a way to make money off ads. We fundamentally, Chloe and I, were very opposed to that. And yet we're a for-profit company. We're not a charity. We're not you know, here just to be nice, even though a lot of our organizations we love, think they're great and we want to help them. So that left a challenge. It's like, well, how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to make investors money? How are you going to grow your company? And so we came up with this model of turning digital tourism into a SaaS platform. Tourism organizations, municipalities, events, festivals, outdoor organizations, museums, they don't mind paying to market them, their product and their services to users or to get access to users that are on their phones. That's our model. Privacy policy, which is very restrictive to us. We cannot monetize, sell information about users. We don't. In fact, we've taken it so seriously, we even don't have user accounts yet. But we didn't do it because we really, really didn't want anyone when we're growing the company to think, oh, they're trying to log me in and sell my information. So we can't do that. We don't do that. 
we monetize strictly by our partners. I like that personally as an entrepreneur. It makes me wake up happy in the morning and gets me going knowing that people are buying a product for a service they need and want. And users are downloading because they're excited about the content and want to, to use this app. So it's an honest sell. And that's core to our belief. How does it impact your digital marketing strategy when you're going to market then with a totally different way of looking at things? How does that impact your business model? It forces us to put a lot of emphasis on sales. A lot of technology companies, if you actually look at their expense stack, a majority of the dollars go into engineering almost always. And I've, you know, maybe not much more than 50%, but it's a, a surprisingly large part. In my company, that's unusual. We don't. Most of the dollars or at least a little bit more than 50% goes into sales. And that's because I depend on that. I have to make sales. We grow our product when our customers come on and bring content and drag more users and so on in a nice cycle. It means sales is critical, even more so maybe with us because we are venture back, but we haven't raised a bazillion dollars. You know, this is a neat idea, but not in, especially in a Canadian climate where investment culture is very, very conservative. I've had to do this with less money than I would like. And that means sales, again, is really important. You need money in the door to help us get to the next stage. So we've really had to depend on a very traditional sales-driven model. That's tough. Every tech company never has enough money. That's a standard problem. There isn't one out there that succeeds that doesn't struggle with getting enough money. Obviously, it's tough. Like, like I still write code. I personally, ownership of the mobile apps and coding, not the back end and the CMS and so on. And that's a tough thing. But if we didn't focus on sales and I didn't have customers, there is no driftscape. I have a question. Here it's about the other usage of your mobile app. For example, we have a lot of indigenous reserved areas. They don't know what they are going to experience if they want to go to the, this resort that in reserved area. Do you think that's, is there anything in your radar? Are you doing something about it or not? Indigenous groups, I'm very proud to have a platform that supports them. And we have quite a few Indigenous groups. We have Grand River Six Nations, uh, Wakimacom in Northern Ontario, quite a few others that we're talking to and elsewhere. It is wonderful to be able to have a storytelling platform for a group who aren't able to tell the stories their way. So we really think there's a great fit. And in general, it's been very, very well received in that sense. The first time we encountered this particular pain point or need was with Indigenous groups. Yes, they want to tell public stories and be able to tell their messages their way, obviously, for good reasons. They use, some groups use Driftscape in an even more novel way that we never even thought of. They sometimes want to do messaging to their own communities that should only go out to their own communities. There are times where it's like, well, we do want to tell some stories and we have some current information, but we don't actually want that information for public consumption. That's when we added password protected content into our platform. So the ability that you can have a password. We added it because of some of the indigenous groups who wanted to be able to use this as an internal tool as well. Interestingly, the password protected content feature has grown a lot in our product and it's actually been used for gamified experiences connected with Quest. So that it's like, okay, go get the name of that street. Here's your hints. The next POI or point of interest step along the scavenger hunt, you have to then enter that password. And it gives you, it says, on the last step, enter the name of the street. We're very proud of our, our Indigenous partners. Very happy to support them. Um, we've had one, we've had several from day one. First story in Toronto focuses on the Indigenous history of the region of Toronto and the GTA long before settlers were in the area. And it's a wonderful overlay that shows the present with the past 
And it's a great way to explore. They're still a partner within our product. And we're very proud to support them. Who are your main strategic alliance? We have partnered. This has kind of grown as we've gone along. Currently, I'd say the strongest strategic alliance partnerships we've built are with regional tourism organizations in Canada. That's what we call them. So they're a level above municipalities, and they are funded provincially generally, sometimes federally as well, or at least the money rolls down. I don't know the whole math, but in Canada, we do support these social endeavors for tourism. So regional tourism organizations represent a number of different municipalities within their reach. As we started building the company and learning more about RTOs and DMOs, destination marketing organizations, they're a variant of a DMO, of an RTO. Many of them have become our partners. So we have RTO partners who promote us to their individual municipalities. In a couple of cases, we actually have contracts or, or services at the RTO level even, so because the municipalities are very small and maybe they can't afford Jurescape on their own. To date, we've made some strategic alliances at the tourism organization level. I'd love to say we have some at a federal level. We're still working on some of those. We do have federal partners. Historica Canada is one of our uh, very proud national partners. National Trust for Canada, not the bank, but it's an organization for building preservation across Canada. Those are two of our national partners. I'd love to have more and work more at a national level with larger groups. But we're a young company and we're still building that. Other strategic alliances that we are thinking about in the future, there are certainly segments that we can go after at a much higher level. If you think about Driftscape and you think creatively, what is, what's an unusual uh, market? Well, you know, you can think about hotels. You can think about certain industries that would benefit from an app that care about tourism, like airlines. There's a lot of things like that, but you, you got to walk before you run in a tech company. You don't want to, you have to be careful what you go for and you have to build yourself up. You have to prove yourself, especially when it's blue ocean products. You know, something like Driftscape doesn't exist already. So I believe in being very pragmatic and build your way up. Prove that a municipality can use your product. Prove that an event can be run with Driftscape. Prove that an RTO can benefit from this and then work your way up. So it's slow and careful. You know, it, it's very exciting, Dan. The whole conversation, you know, we can talk about a variety of things. And I love what you ended up there because at what point do you break the cultural boundaries and say, okay, well, I'm going to push this direction. Why am I going to push this direction? Am I going to scale up into this element? Maybe we envision tourism at the beginning and now we're envisioning more because we can see the potential. You, you you talked about relationship building. We see brands moving into experiential marketing and in that element of how do I get my, my customer engaged in what I'm doing? And we see that element. We love the element of AR, our, our augmented reality. And we and we see that element of that gamification that you guys have done. It's, it's a real really exciting opportunity that you're creating. I love hearing all about it. I want to bring you back to talk about augmented reality and how people can benefit from augmented reality. Other businesses might be able to benefit from that and bringing your expertise into that. Maybe we'll lead into a little VR if we can. But before we take off from this episode, Dan, always ask our guests to throw out a challenge for us. Throw out some kind of a challenge, either a macro challenge, a micro challenge that you at Driftscape is faced with, or a macro challenge the community is faced with. We can always use help especially from bright MBA students and business students, for sure. When you're going for profit, trying to sell to real customers, real SaaS, there are challenges that we can help with. Driftscape is a blue ocean product, meaning it's it's not something that anyone over the last 10 years has said, I, I need a Driftscape. You know, I need this digital app that is going to do digital tourism. And, you know, some counselor or some, some board executives going to his marketing team saying, I want something like Driftscape. 
they're not thinking about that. It's true that once we get in the door and we show them, they love it. They're like, that's so cool. Yes, we should do that. Oh, wow. That's even a very reasonable price as a SaaS platform because it's a single app. We can do it more affordably than white label. That doesn't mean they're going to buy it. The reality when you go back to, you know, theories of lean management and, and so on, if you're not addressing a direct pain point, something's wrong. We are starting right now. It takes time. I'd love to say I solved this two years ago, three years ago. We're starting to think more about what are our customers' pain points. And now that we have a platform, well, robust, works well, lots of users, lots of organizations, what can we do now? that addresses real pain points that our kind of marketing segments have that they already have. And a good example would be instant user notifications. And that's why I say that's pretty darn high on our roadmap. But I'd love, a challenge would be, I love students to think about this problem and others to think about this problem and say, you know what, I tried out Driscape, I downloaded it. I really think if you did this, you can really help people tell stories differently or solve some other problem that you're kind of market. The other one would be viral user growth. Five years ago, start the company, build an iOS app. It's free, no ads. It's not nasty, not mean. It's not Facebook. You put it in the store and naively you say to yourself, why wouldn't people download this? It's a great way. You can't get these stories anywhere else. And so I remember you know, building our business runway and showing these user growth targets that, you know, we have not hit. And uh, it's humbling. We now realize we have to do more to make Driscape sticky and make it more exciting for users so that they want to download it more and use it more every day. If I'm being very honest, it's somewhat a bit of a one-way encyclopedia right now. Really cool one, and it's a lot of fun. But the honest truth is we need to do more to retain users and make it have viral adoption. We have ideas, but again, a challenge would be what do you think from a user point of view, not customer point of view, but a user point of view that Driscape could do that would make you want to use this every day, turn it into the wordle of tourism? The challenges I'd love to have bright minds thinking about, and I'd love to hear from people. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel. listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.